you want to contribute to something meaningful, right? When none of us know how many hours and days we have left on this earth, so you want to use your time wisely. Welcome to Community Good, the podcast that shares powerful lessons to help you navigate the life you want. I'm your host, Marnie Andes. In this episode, you'll hear from Denise Liebetrau, consultant and coach who supports individuals and organizations through compensation challenges, including effective negotiation and pay practices. At the heart of it all, she's helping people uncover what is most important to them so that they get paid what they're worth and have careers that align with their values. And now, my conversation with Denise Liebetrau. Well, thank you, Denise, for joining me on my podcast. It's just great to be able to connect with you and have a conversation that I'm super excited to to sort of navigate with you. Yeah, I'm excited to be here, Marnie. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, well, I would love for you just to share a little bit. I, I love what you post online. And I love what you talk about, especially with your background, but I would just love to hear around, like, how did you get into talking about compensation and negotiation and everything that has to do with that? Um, well, it started, uh, because I was frustrated. So I'll, I'll back up. When I first started my career, I started in HR, um, and I started in the department called compensation in a large financial services firm out in Seattle. And I learned how to do the research and give advice to senior leaders on what they should be paying employees. And I did that for a variety of different employers over the years, financial services, tech companies, mining companies. Um, and that worked until it didn't. And about five years ago, I, uh, had the opportunity to leave an organization and I started my own firm called Prosper Consulting. And we, while I still do compensation related projects for employers, another part of my business is to do coaching, pay negotiation coaching. And I target pay negotiation uh, coaching services to women and people of color and marginalized groups because when I was in-house working for large employers, I found that a lot of people left money on the table or didn't ask quite in the right way. Um, I will work with anybody if I feel like I can support them and help them. Um, but but that it bore out of frustration. I was just frustrated with seeing people not ask in the right way. And because I had the insider knowledge, I thought, well, I need to share this because you normally don't find this stuff out until after the fact, if you've under negotiated or you haven't asked for what you could have. Um, and so I like teaching people what they need to know. Well, I love that. I was even thinking back to when I started my career because my career was in secondary education. So when I first came out of college, I was a teacher and you don't negotiate that because, you know, you're part of here's what your level is and here's, you know, where you come in at. And then, you know, quickly went to grad school and and um, and then kind of started down this venture. But I just I don't think I ever was taught like it wasn't even said to me that you should negotiate your salary when you go into a job. So I just wonder like, where are people coming from when they're contacting you or where are you seeing yes. people, you know, where they need to learn this in their career? Uh, so I have some people who see me speak on the topic or see me post on the topic and I'll find folks that way. I have others who are referrals from past clients. Um, but much like you, I grew up in a um, small rural community in the middle of Kansas and 
what I saw as negotiation in my childhood was negotiating or going to auctions, right? With my dad on a farm sale or doing something like that. But I was, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was around negotiation a lot. I like negotiation. I think it's fun, but not a lot of people like it. There are a lot of people who are like, oh God, I did negotiating for a house, for a car, whatever. It feels icky. And they certainly don't want to negotiate when it comes to pay. Cause what if you ask for too much? What if you don't ask in the right way and you turn an employer off and they pull the offer? Or what if you want the promotion and they gave you a minimal three to 5% increase and not really what you think you deserve? Um, and so I get people in a variety of different um, spots in their um, thinking as it relates to negotiation, but most of the time it's because they aren't very confident and they they just want some support. They want some additional um, um practice, maybe asking the right way, helping. I help people write talking points so that they have kind of a script to go off of. Um, I pull data because I have access to data that most people don't have. Um, I buy a data set that helps um, them ask in the right way, what should they get for base pay? What should they get for bonus? And if they're in a senior position um, that has long-term incentives in stock, I uh, you know can give them some guidance on how to ask about that as well. So um, yeah, it's it's very nuanced and it's very complex sometimes, um, and it's not something you learn except by making mistakes. And I just get tired of seeing people make mistakes. Well, it, you know, it's interesting how you talked about how you grew up watching negotiation because I had a, a similar childhood. We would go to sure. sales and we would buy cattle, and it, there would be different ways in which you were bidding or you were negotiating. Um, but, you know, I didn't see it in this context. Can you just break it down? I mean, just even thinking about the negotiation process for people uh -huh. as they're listening, like what does that include? So step one is knowing what you're worth. So doing the research. And on my website, I have a list of free resources because I got tired of, of having people go, where do I go for this stuff? There's a ton of free resources on the internet. So if you go to my website, prosperconsultingllc.com, click on resources, and then click on compensation resources, you'll see a list. You'll see everything like Glassdoor, LinkedIn, um, salary.com, and a number of other resources. So first, do your research. What's the job worth? Second, you have to be able to articulate your value story. So what value can you deliver as you're performing those job responsibilities? So your value story is how your resume is written, how your LinkedIn profile is written, how you answer interview questions, how you network, and how you interact with people who are in a place of having um, some input in a hiring decision or a promotion decision. And then it's making an ask in a way that is aligned to your best interest, but also aligned to the employer's best interest, right? You have to find a win-win um, solution so that you're developing and continuing to develop a relationship, right? You don't want to ask for too much. don't want to ask for too little. And then it's just working through the fine details. And you have like one or two back and forth, and then that's it. You don't really get to fix it after that. Um, so it's knowing how to ask in the right way, sharing a value story, doing your research. Um, so it seems simplistic. Once you get into the details, it gets a little more complex. But much like you, when I was when I look back in my 20s, I don't think I negotiated an offer until I was well into my 30s, early 40s. And then I learned to negotiate. But I was scared to negotiate. I was scared to ask for more because I thought, well, what if what if my ask is too big? Now we have data that's freely available and we have a lot of 
um, pay equity and pay transparency laws. We're sitting here in the state of Colorado. We have the Colorado Equal Pay for Equal Work Act. The city of New York has implemented something. California just passed something recently. So there are more um, regulatory and legal things that employers have to follow now in different parts of the U.S. As, as well as globally that gives people insight into what are the pay ranges for jobs. So that's helping as well. Well, it's, you know, I think about what you said around when you started negotiating finally yeah. in your career. And I think it it is true. I'm, I'm sure there's people listening right now that are thinking they haven't negotiated ever. And now yeah. it's time where they're sort of running into this situation where either they are asking for a promotion or they are, you know, looking at other jobs that they're trying to um, close. And I, I wonder, I mean, I do think the process is simple that you're describing. What are some of the things though, to watch out for? Cause I think about the recruiting process in many ways. And we, to your point, we do have paid transparency in the state, but still you, it, it, it's, it's like it is happening, but not quite as fast as it should be happening. And I do feel people get trapped somewhere in the recruiting process of almost feeling like they either negotiated too early in the process or what is some advice or things to watch out for when you're in that step? Sure. Um, so one of the things I would do because I've seen this happen is just validate that what they posted on the job posting, the opening is actually the real range. I've had people say they posted from this dollar amount to this dollar amount and really they offered something that was less than that. I'm like, well, that makes no sense. That's supposed to be a reasonable, good faith range, right? So when you are in dialogue with a recruiter after you've applied and they've called you and they want to do a phone interview to say, hey, can you just help me understand what's the pay range for the job I see on the posting? It was from this to this. Is that is that all there is? Is there a bonus or equity or something else attached to that? And just validate the range. And then two, if they start pushing to get kind of specifics from you and it's early in the process in terms of your salary expectations, say, you know what, I'm sure we can land on something reasonable. That range that you provided me is within what I would expect, but I don't know that much about the job or the company or who I'd be working for and my day-to-day -day responsibilities. As we get further down the process, I'll know more and I'll be able to give you a more targeted number of what I'm expecting. But right now I would say that we've got a good, you know, broad range to, to negotiate within. Um, and I'm looking forward to learning more. So you don't want to back yourself into a corner. You want to validate that what they put posted is, is solid. Um, and then just ask a ton of questions, right? And I think that's the other piece. Interviews aren't just for the employer to ask a lot of questions. It's for you to interview them and really, you know, feel out, is the culture going to be somewhere where you can thrive? Are you going to have opportunities for learning and growth if that's important to you? Are you going to be contributing to something more meaningful than just, you know, the basics of going to your job every day and, and doing uh, what you've maybe done for a long time. Um, and and it's, it's having really a clear understanding what are those yeses in your list of I need to haves versus the uh, nice to have. If I get it, great. If I don't, that's okay. So the needs versus wants is an important um, thing to include as well. But yeah, just don't back yourself in a corner early in the process. Well, I mean, even the way that you answered that question, I think is huge for anyone listening around that. Because that tends to be one of those questions right away, especially if a recruiter oh. reaches out to you and yep. maybe you're not even looking and they're going to be asking you certain questions and what are your salary expectations? And it's like, okay, right there. You just gave really a great answer for people 
to consider using because it's true. You still need to gather more information. You still need to learn more about the role and so forth. And I'd love to dig into that a little bit. So as someone's going through that process, you know, what are some of the things that you advise them to key in on for them to gather and maybe have a better understanding of what they might ask for as they're going through the recruiting process? Sure. So obviously a lot of times you have a job description, right? That's posted. So validating and going through that job description with them and making sure that it accurately represents the work that you're going to be doing. Um, Sometimes from a hiring manager's perspective, they're just throwing any job description up to start getting candidates. And sometimes they don't take the time up front to work with their recruiters and HR to update the job description, to really make it a robust uh, description of the work. So getting an understanding of that. And then two, understanding where is the company at? Is the company a startup? Is it in growth phase? Are they um, expanding internationally? Where are they at? What are their longer term goals? And sometimes you can pull that out of um, things that you might see on the website. If it's a public company, you'll see some things, more um, disclosures that are necessary um, in the SEC filings and so forth if it's a U.S.-based company. Um, But understanding the job, understanding the company and kind of where they're at, and then understanding who are the people you're going to be interacting with on a day-to-day basis, right? Who is the hiring manager? Who does the hiring manager report to? What does their LinkedIn profile look like? Have they stayed there a long time? Are they relatively new? Come up with a list of questions and ask them, what attracted to you to this company? What makes you get up in the morning and want to come in? If there's something here, is there something here that if you had a magic wand, you would want to fix? Um, See if you can get an interview if they haven't already got one scheduled with people who would be your peers. So you can get a sense from those folks what's going on. And I think that sometimes you have to almost be a little bit of a private investigator. If you can get a, find someone on LinkedIn who maybe recently left the company and moved on to somewhere else, if you can get that person to interact with you, even just for 15 minutes to get an understanding of what did they like, what did they find challenging by working there, sometimes you can get a more truthful orientation to what the employer is like by talking to somebody like that. So for me, it's a a really big focus on asking a lot of questions, validating information that you've got in the initial stages um, and not not getting too emotionally eager (laughs) to say yes to something. Keep your options open, keep applying, don't let your foot off the gas pedal, make sure you've got plenty of options Um, and not just making a short-term play in terms of a decision either. There's a lot of times I'll see people who may jump just for money and then they didn't really understand that the they had the reason that employer had to pay so much is because they've got a really toxic, awful work culture and they hated it within three months, right? You're shaking your head. Yes, we've all been there where you just want to curl up in, you know, and cry when you're done with work day because it's just a miserable place and miserable human beings to work with. And then you're like, there's no amount of money that makes it worth it, right? So sometimes that's the other piece I try to encourage people. There's more than just money to pay attention to when you're trying to figure out if a, a job offer is worth it. Um, there's the senior leadership, the competitive advantage the firm might have in their industry or um, with their product, product suite or their customer service or whatever it is. Um, and you know, you wanna contribute to something meaningful, right? When none of us know how many hours and days we have left on this earth. So you wanna use your time wisely and contribute to something great because it's not fun when you're you know dreading going to work on on Sunday night as you think about Monday. 
Right. Oh, you said so much. You said so much <laughs> in that segment. <laughs> oh God, no, it was wonderful. I just, oh I want, I want everyone to just listen to that back. I want them to listen to that over and over again, as if they are in the process of looking for a new job, for a new opportunity. There's so many things there that's so much value from understanding, like, what are some of the things that you're hearing about the work culture? And are you asking these questions? Because that is, that is a big deal. This isn't just about, you know, finding the next opportunity. This is finding the next right opportunity for yourself and getting closer to what you really, really want. And so I know that we're talking about, primarily compensation and negotiating that, but everything that you just said right there is so important for people as they're looking for their next opportunity. Yes, compensation is a part of it. We we work to make a living to pay for the life that we want. At the same time, though, to be able to do that with the right employer and the right opportunity, those questions are enormous. They are. And I have a process and I'll happily send this exercise to anybody if you guys want it. Um, it's called a lifestyle centric career planning. And the exercise I usually send to folks, it's called your ideal day. What's an ideal day for you? When do you want to wake up? What do the sheets feel like? Is there a dog next to you? Is there a human being next to you? What does your house look like? Do you have a commute or do you shuffle down to your basement office and your slippers and your yoga pants? Um, are you on Zoom calls all day? Do you have quiet time? Um, who, who are you eating lunch with? Are you eating a healthy lunch? Are you going for a walk? Um, what does an ideal day look for you? I know there have been times in my life when I didn't have the luxury of choosing what an ideal day was, right? I was just putting one foot in front of the other and I've been a single mom for a long time and I didn't have the ability, um, to really choose. Once you have career capital or expertise in something, 15, 20 years in some profession, you have leverage and it makes it easier to negotiate. And you can, you have choice typically in who you work for. A lot of times you don't give yourself permission to say yes to some of those choices. But once you get really clear on what you want an ideal day to look like, then you can go, okay, what employers are there out there that have a work culture? What kind of roles can I perform that might give me the ability to contribute and and get some of my needs met through my work, but might also allow me to have other things outside of work that allow me to be a whole um, healthy human being. And that might be hobbies. It might be music. It might be something else creative. Um, It might be kids. It might be a fur baby, a cat or a dog or whatever it is that's important to you. And so I'm a firm believer in lifestyle-centric career planning because I've seen too many people say yes to a particular job or company, like, oh, I'm going to get to work for Amazon and then have incredible regret very soon thereafter. Amazon's got a certain reputation for a reason. So, um, you know, be careful what you wish for. And, and it's a balance, right, between the cash and the money side, as well as all the other aspects that come with being employed. Well, I, one thing I, I want to continue digging into, and I just, I, I pulled this up. It was a Harvard study that was just put out in August of this year. And it stated that women earned 83% of men's median annual earnings in 2021. So as much as we think we are closing the gap, that is still very prevalent. It is. And I would also say it's more complicated than that. So because I work with 
employees and I help them negotiate for more money, I certainly understand that perspective and the frustration that comes when you read a statistic like that. But I also work with employers and my team and I do pay equity audits. And I will tell you that that number is the aggregate number of what women and men are being paid. What it doesn't get into is the more um, objective viewpoint of what is comparable work. Um, if you look at senior leaders in most organizations, you'll mostly see men. Women oftentimes don't stay in senior leadership positions. I would argue that's probably a cultural problem that we have in, in some employers. Um, so that, that difference dissipates to some extent if you start looking at comparable work, right? And you start looking at job title to job title, jobs that are comparable. I have found through studies, yes, there are certainly pay differences, but I've also found pay differences for men not being paid as much as they should have. An employer should be able to tell you what are the factors that they look at when they're making a pay decision. And you should hear something like, we look at experience, we look at years of um, training or education. We look at your ability to perform and your stories or your results that you've done in the past. So performance. Um, we look at maybe the percent of time that you travel. We look at the market for your job if it's performed in a certain location. You should hear things like that. You shouldn't, ideally, there shouldn't be things related to gender or ethnicity or race or age or any of those discriminatory factors. And I will tell you the other thing that is great is that there are lots of tools that employers can purchase to do analyses to make sure they aren't having pay disparities based on some of those um, not so good factors like gender and age and things like that. So you can ask questions during an interview process to say, you know, tell me about your pay equity audits. Do you do that on an annual basis? Do you have tools or resources that support um, that you can ask about diversity, equity, and inclusion. You can look at a website and look and see what's their board look like. What do their senior leadership look like, right? And that tells you something. There, it's easy for employers to say the right words, but it's what you see in the actions themselves that will really tell you the true story. Well, I think what you were sharing there, I mean, I hear... Well, first of all, thank you for digging into that more because you see statistics like this all the time. And I think you also start to see just misinformation out there. I mean, there is. you know, sort of like, I mean, I even think about like, what's your response to when somebody's like, you should always ask for more. Um, I think sometimes there is a need to ask more. Sometimes there's not. So that's why the first step in the process is know what the job is worth. There are some employers who will come out of the gate with great offers and they'll pay close to 75th percentile and you might go, holy cow, in which case you might neg not negotiate on the cash side, you might negotiate on paid time off, or you might negotiate on some other aspect of the offer, right? Um, and one of the hot topics that I see in pay negotiations right now is remote work. They'll say they have flexibility for remote work, but then they expect you in the office four days a week. Well, that's, come on, let's right. be real, right? <laughs> that's not it. Um, I do think that, I do think a general rule, ask for more, but what should you ask for more of? And what's your story behind that ask? And that's the piece that I like to help people with. Yeah, no, I think that's huge. I mean, because I would see things like that or just, you know, crazy things around, well, you should always ask for this much more. And there was actually an amount that was posted. I'm thinking, 
to to everyone we've just it's, posted that it's advice. It's more nuanced than that. <laughs> right. It is. And you might be, um, you know, I, one of the things that, you know, was really telling when COVID hit in March of 2020 and in those first six to nine months, when everything kind of shut down here in the U.S. or things really what are the essential workers, right? The people on the front lines in the grocery stores and people providing essential services and healthcare and other different types of industries and professions. Um, I think there's a difference depending on what kind of profession you're in, what level you are in your career. Do you have career capital and expertise you can negotiate with? Are you one of thousands who can do that work where an employer doesn't have a problem finding somebody to do the job, if you say no to their offer or you ask for too much, there's a lot of nuances in negotiation. And I don't think a negotiation starts at the point in time you have a job offer. It actually starts when you start interacting with that potential employer at the point in time you apply or the point in time that maybe a headhunter is looking at your LinkedIn profile, that's when the negotiation starts because that's how you're representing yourself and your personal brand. And I think there's a lot of people who don't who don't realize that they think the negotiation starts at the point in time that they got an offer either verbally or in writing. And that's, you've almost, that's 80% of the negotiations done by then. Well, and I, well, I I totally agree. I mean, because part of even what you've been sharing all along has been, you need to ask questions. You need to be super clear on, you know, what it is that you want, what is the, you know, the role or the next opportunity you're looking for, like getting super, super clear from the very beginning. And I do think people tend to just assume this is an after you know, after it all happens, I'm supposed to negotiate something. And then suddenly I'm reaching out going, should I be asking for this? It's like, okay, wait, wait, you're already that far down the process. <laughs> well, and you can plant seeds in the interview process, right? You can ask questions like, tell me about your professional development budget for this type of a role. Do you have monies allocated for someone in this role um, once they're hired and they're performing for them to continue their professional development? That tells you whether or not the employer cares about developing their people. Can you tell me tell me how many people were promoted internally into open positions versus buying external talent into, you know to fill open positions? Employers should have those statistics and as candidates it's okay to ask. They may not have it right at their fingertips depending on the savviness of the recruiter or the hiring manager, but they should be able to access those kinds of things and that tells you something. It also tells them you're interested in that. You can also um, ask questions like what's your pay philosophy do you guys target the 50th percentile or something above that how do you guys balance the need to pay employees competitively and obviously we're all feeling the the pain of inflation right now Um, you should hear from an employer that they are targeting pay related to what are other employers paying for talent and while inflation is one factor it's not the primary factor good employers will not completely tie uh, pay to inflation because they know inflation will flex up and down over time. And when inflation was negative or far less than what it was now, we never talked about it, right? But they should be aligning their pay to what other competitors are paying for like talent doing similar work. So there are some key things that I think I can teach people when I partner with them that they don't often like you know, I kind of feel like I'm a, a pay whisperer a little bit to people. Like, I'm going to try to whisper in your ear all those things you need to know. And what are those phrases and questions that you can ask in a way that comes from a place of intentional curiosity and not um, a level of assertiveness or aggressiveness that makes it sound like you're entitled? That's not where how you want to come across, right? You just want to come across as curious and 
ask those key questions at different points in the interview process so that by the time you get to the end and you actually get the offer, they've already baked some of those asks into that first initial offer. So it's pretty solid coming out of the gate. Well, I love this for people who are looking for uh, an organization or they're looking for an opportunity with an employer. Interestingly enough, I get questions from time to time from people who are looking to start their own business. You know, they want to, it it might even be something that's on the side. Maybe they're working full time. How can they use your, your structure or your process to think about what is the right way to start negotiating or even setting a price for what work they're doing outside of that? Um, I have some slides I've I've used in presentations on this, so I can share it with anybody if you guys want to send me an email. Um, So again, you can go to my website, prosperconsultingllc.com, click on contact, and you can shoot me an email so I can give you more details. There's two ways to kind of price yourself as an entrepreneur. Um, So you can price yourself and find out what is an employee are you, should you be making? And you can go to that, those free resources I mentioned earlier. And then you add a premium, 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%. The more expertise and the longer you've been in business as an entrepreneur, consultant, contractor, the more you can charge. You can also go look on Upwork and kind of see what others who have an expertise like you are charging. Um, You can ask others um, and interview folks. I know before I started my business, I spent time with other consultants who were in this space and asked, you've been in business five years or more. Um, What do you know now that I don't, you know, that you would pass on to me and how do you price your services? You'll get all sorts of different um, answers. One of the books I read that I found very helpful um, was by Alan Weiss and it was a, a consulting book. Um, and Alan Weiss, it's A-L-A-N-W-E-I-S-S, I think is how you spell his name. Um, but that book helped me think about value and articulating my value in my proposals and lining a price to that. The other way to calculate what you should be charging on an hourly basis is um, taking what might you earn as an employee and then adding in all the other expenses you might have insurance, technology, software, et cetera, that you might have as an ex as a consultant benefits, et cetera. Cause you have to pay for those on your own now. Um, and then coming up with an hourly price. But like I said, I've got some, t- some slides and some things that kind of go into this in more detail. The other piece I would tell you, I learned from the Alan Weiss book and that I utilize is that, um, If you charge on a per hour basis, people will want to talk you down from that. If you just say for this project, it's X amount, then they don't care how many hours it takes you. And the more efficient you are, the better your profit margin, right? And so Alan Weiss's book kind of goes into that a little bit. But I'm always happy to talk to people too, who are kind of in the space of thinking about stepping into being an entrepreneur. Um, I give people free 15-minute strategy calls because I remember sitting in that spot and Sometimes it's just nice to talk to somebody who's been there, done that to get some kind of key learnings. Don't be afraid to ask other people who've been where you are uh, for advice and for um, input on what they learned. You will be surprised at how giving people are. And if they're not a giver, fine, they're a taker, right? And that's okay. Um, And they're more transactional in their thinking. But you'll be surprised at how many people will give you advice and share knowledge um, from their learnings. Um, people like to be of service to others most of the time. 
Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I think people want to share what they've learned. They want, they want to see other people succeed. They don't want to see people yeah. the, you know, do the same mistakes or, you know, trip on the same things that they did. So I, I, uh, I agree. So and ask, I, don't be afraid to right. ask for help. Um, right. And especially if somebody's been there, done that, oh my gosh, you can speed up your learning curve so fast and get to, to profitability so much faster if you just ask for help. And I'm a firm believer when I started my business, I had business coaches and I had uh, sales coaches and I had people who helped fill in the blanks and my skill set um, so that I can step outside of my comfort zone. And, and that helped tremendously. So, well, I, I mean, this has been great. I mean, I think about the person who's looking for another opportunity with an employer, all the right questions to ask, just even being mindful that you need to ask the questions to the person who might be trying to do something on their own as an entrepreneur. Yeah. I, you know, I just wonder with your, as you've been doing this, you know, I kind of go to the heart of people just being willing and comfortable to just ask what they want in general. Yeah. I mean, what have you seen that's just about life. Like, I just think you've worked with so many people. I mean, yes, you're helping them negotiate salaries, but are you seeing other things come out of that? Oh yeah. Um, and I think COVID in particular has changed people's orientation a little bit to recognizing that maybe it's not all about the money. It's there's more to life than just that, that there's, you know, my life again, lifestyle centric career planning. Um, one of the things that I think is incredibly powerful is understanding how your emotions are guide to telling you what needs are being met or not being met. And um, if you are feeling uh, frustrated or you're feeling um, particularly um, sad or joyful or whatever, those are indicators that some of your needs are being met or not being met. And I think negotiations can be very emotional. You can feel some intense emotions when you're negotiating on something. And so being cognizant of those emotional indicators and then what needs are you getting met by the offer are really important. Sometimes it's learning and growth. Sometimes it's connection. Sometimes it's a oh my gosh, a place where you can be your authentic self. How many of us would love to be able to show up at work and be able to be our authentic selves instead of pretending or, or acting and, and wearing a mask at work all the time because you can't be your authentic self? I think um, sometimes it's that internal reflection um, process that gets shortchanged when it comes to these opportunities. And so Sometimes I work with clients on that to go, you know, let's go a little deeper beyond just the money piece and, and talk about what is the money going to give? Why do you want the money? What's the money going to give you? Is it going to give you the bigger house? Is it going to give you the opportunity to get your kids out of a certain school and go into a private school? Is it because you, I don't know, want to travel more? Is it, what is the why behind the money ask too? And then that can help you understand are some of the other factors there that will also support those needs. So it is complicated and it is, it's more than money. Right. It always is. Well, and I think that, you know, to get comfort, I, I think sometimes talking about money and, you know, just the concept of asking for those things can feel uncomfortable. And I find that, you know, practice, practice asking for what you want 
in other areas, like just even to gain some confidence. Right. So, you know, I mean, even play it out with maybe something that you're like, it doesn't matter if I get it or I don't get it. Why don't I just ask for it? You know, there's, there's people that are always coming to my house, you know, asking to sell me something (laughs) like play negotiation with them. See, you know, see like, Oh, you're offering it for that price. Well, would you consider this price? That's the price that I, you know, I mean, part of it, I do think people are just, they're just uncomfortable with it. And if you can practice it and get more comfortable, because I've kind of come to this stage in my life, I wish I would have known this 20, 30 years ago. I feel like everything is negotiable. Everything. It is. And it's, we use negotiation all day long. We use it in our relationships, right? Hey, honey, can you, you know, get dinner started? I've got a late meeting today, right? Um, I've got a 15 year old kid, right? And asking him, can you take out the trash? I've got to focus on this right now. Um, Right? We're negotiating all day long. We just don't think of it as negotiating. It's an ask, right? Um, and, and there are ways you can practice kind of safely. If you go to a farmer's market, right. You could mm-hmm. <laughs> ask, exactly. You know, would you take, right. If you go somewhere and I don't know, a seam is ripped or something on an article of clothing and you might ask for, do you, do you guys offer a discount? I see there's a little seam here that's ripped. Would you provide me with a discount? Um, and certainly there's the bigger ticket items like vehicles and houses and things like that you think of for negotiation, but we do negotiate all day long um, as it relates to tight deadlines for projects or things that are due, right? Or you might have to renegotiate because you just don't have the resources, the time or the people or the money to get something done in the right amount of time. So negotiation can go far beyond kind of this narrow niche that I have into those broader things that impact your performance on the job as well, or your performance and relationships at home. So yeah, it's um, getting good at those, uh, you could call it difficult conversations, but getting good at conversations that are uncomfortable is just a key life skill. Um, and I don't think we are intentional about it sometimes. Right. Well, I mean, I find that with um, my clients that I take through from a coaching perspective, where it's just, it is, it's getting super clear on what it is that you want or what's, what's holding you back. And the reason why you won't ask for that. And I think a lot of that does go, does go hand in hand. And I mean, I think this is going to be incredibly helpful. I, like I said, I, I, we didn't, I didn't do it early on in my career, certainly have done it later in my career, but I think this is advice that everyone, everyone can use. Yeah. I, I like working and being in front of students who are in college or about to graduate from college every once in a while, I get those types of audiences to speak to. And it's fun to catch people and in their thinking at that stage, but it's never too late, right? You, we all, um, have needs that um, we want to have met and ask, just to ask. It's the, I always think of the Wayne Gretzky uh, quote, you miss every shot you don't take. Take the shot. Right. Take it. Right. See what happens. Be surprised. Yeah, I love that. And I do, and I do really appreciate though, too, that you have a process to take people through it because it's also being really educated and really informed around how, how you go about that ask. So yeah. Well, I thank you so much. I, I mean, I love all of this and, you know, I, you and I can continue talking around a number of things and maybe we can do that uh, at a later time too. But before you go, I would definitely love for you, just like my other guests have to share a life lesson that has been personally inspiring to you or has impacted you that the audience would benefit from. I think the quality of your life is best determined by the quality of your relationships. 
and there, and I'll give you a quote, there's a gigantic difference between earning a great deal of money and being rich. And the quotes by Marlene Dietrich, it, it's about the money, but the money is a byproduct, an outcome of providing great value and having great relationships with people. So don't just focus on the tactical money piece, focus on learning how to help other people meet their needs and the money will come. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, I want people to be able to reach out to you. I know that there's a number of people that could benefit from speaking with you and your guidance as they're going through this process. So how can people get in touch with you and connect with you? Um, the easiest way is to go to my website, prosperconsultingllc.com. You'll have all my contact information. I give free 15-minute strategy calls to folks. So if you click on contact and scroll down, you'll get access to my calendar and you can schedule some time. Um, and like I said, I throughout the uh, podcast, I have some free resources happy to share with folks. But um, don't be afraid to ask and don't be afraid to step into what's a little bit uncomfortable. You can, you can get more um, if you ask in the right way. I love that. It's a great message. Thank you so much, Denise, for joining me. Thank you for having me. 